This is Adventist World Radio Ghana, Voice of Hope. It's time for that segment, The Heart of the Church. Hello, our wonderful friend. You welcome once again to the heart of the church. Today we promise you another interesting study where we are looking at some facts of the Bible that is pointing to identifying the little horn. And I am here as always your host Emmanuel Laie with our friends Gloria Osei-Bafo. Frank Fukuboi. Thank you so much for coming. And I know we'll have a nice time today uh, looking at identifying who the little horn is. Frank, please pray with us. Almighty Father, we thank you. In this period of study, we invite you to take your seat within us and teach us, for we are ready to listen to you. Thank you very much for being with us. Amen. 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 So, the little horn. You know, this is a, an, an object, or let me say, a prophetic um, representation that was given in the Bible. That is Daniel's time. And we've agreed, we've all seen that Protestants from the beginning of the century have all identified the the little horn as the Roman church. And when I say the Protestants, you know, people like John Wycliffe, uh, Martin Luther, we have John Haas, and even those who brought about our churches. That's why we have other churches like the Methodist Church, and we have the Presbyterian and things like that. All these have come to a, a conclusion that the Roman church is the little horn. Uh, can you give us some more insight into that, please? Frank. Roman church being identified as the little horn. In fact, we need to understand what the little horn is in the first place. Then we are able to associate very well with what it is when we are looking at these historical figures. All right. Thank you very much. And with that, I will think I'll ask uh, Gloria to give us the characteristics of the little horn. Hmm, the little horn. <clears throat> in fact, because of time, we would have had to read the two accounts, Daniel 7, chapter 7, especially from verse 8 downwards, and then the account of another vision Daniel in, presented in Daniel 8. All in all these, the world kingdoms were presented with the symbols of these animals. And the little horn grew out of the fourth uh, kingdom, the fourth beast. Uh-huh. And there are similarities which all point to the same kingdom, the same power. And some of those similarities include the fact that both are described as horns, which denotes that kingdom arising out of a kingdom. And both are persecuting powers. They are not just kingdoms, just as like the kingdom of Babylon, uh, Medo-Persia. These ones persecute. And who do they, that does it persecute? This kingdom also enter into the realm of religion, self-exalting and blasphemous, blasphemes against God himself and exalts <clears throat> itself above, sorry, God and his power. Again, we are told that in these two accounts, these kingdoms, we are told, this, this horn persecutes, as in the second point, but the persecution is targeted at God's people. Okay. 
God's people. Again, the same the same horn, which is the kingdom. They both have what aspects of their activity delineated by prophetic time. Uh, if we should go into the account very well, there is a time given, specific time allocated to what they would be doing, and both accounts in Daniel also prophesy the exact time. Again, we say both extend until the end of time. That even though there is a point that there is, it is wounded, it seems that the its power has uh, been reduced, but this power we are told that it will still extend its rule as subtly or directly through whichever means, both ways, it extends its kingdom through time to the end. And then lastly, both powers in the, the two accounts, they, that horn's power was not destroyed by any other earthly kingdom, but its destruction came through supernatural means. So it tells us that both accounts are talking about the same power, which we must delve into and then find out more. Unfortunately, our time was not that much, but you know, you really started um, it and you said we should identify some of these characteristics. So, uh, looking at the little horn, and now we know the characteristics, uh, the question can be, what, what is the, let me put it this way, what power came out of Rome, that is the Roman Empire, and then continued a kind of political, sociological, religious uh, authority over the people for some time. Which power was that? Now, if we go back to our introduction, we identify that Protestants have concluded or have all come to a conclusion that this little horn power is the Roman Church. Now, you see, it is a church. It is not entirely a kingdom. Okay. It is coming out of one of the kingdoms, like she gave us in the fourth, that is the Roman Empire. So it means that in that era, a church sprang up. And looking at all the features that we have identified in Daniel chapter 7 and then Daniel chapter 8, there is only one church, and that is why Protestants have concluded that it is the Roman church and, of course, the papacy. Thank you very much for that insight. Of course, it is a papacy, and we all came out of the Holy Catholic Church because Catholic means one, and we all came out of that. But over the years, we had various diversions of uh, our church um, from various versions to what we have now, and it looks like what stands out is that the little horn is now separate from what uh, the Bible has mentioned it to be it's supposed to be a little horn. But uh, we'll come more to this study, our cherished friend, because we don't have much time to go into it. We understand that the focus is on Christ. We need to see Christ in all our dealings and relating to him we have our salvation i'll ask gloria to pray with us as we close the chapter on the session father we thank you for another study we continually ask you that it is you and your spirit alone that would guide us to your truth please we beseech you to guide us to your truth and help us abide by your words in jesus name amen amen so tomorrow will come your way again with an interesting study again we're looking at investigative judgment and what that applies to you our dear listener until then stay blessed You are welcome again to the program Pillow Talk.
we love the way you follow us. We are so much grateful for your time. And as I told you the last time, we didn't finish with the topic premarital sex. So today we're going to continue from where we reached. And once again, I have my panel members here with me. I have Miss Opon Efriye Jemima, who is here with us. Madam, you are welcome. Thank you. I also have Madam Ajuan Sen Dubuatin. Then I also have Madam Patience Amatando, who happens to be Pastor's wife. So, listener out there, stay with us as we go into our discussion. Panel members, you are welcome once again. The last time, if you remember, we got to the effects of premarital sex. And uh, we started with the physiological, I remember, and the psychological. We couldn't finish because of time. I want us to take it from there and continue. Do we still have any other effects apart from these two that we spoke about? We also have spiritual effects. Okay, Madam Ajua. Uh-huh. Okay, so when you read Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, the Bible okay. says that do not commit adultery. And so if you sleep with somebody who is not your wife or, or your husband, husband, you have sinned against okay. the law because sin is a transgression of the law. So spiritually, it is a sin. Right. Okay, and then we also have First um, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Okay. That says when you um, join yourself to a harlot, you become one with that person mm. and you separate yourself from God. And so when you sleep with somebody who is not your, not wife, your wife, yes, you have separated yourself from oh, God. It means any bad thing can be for you oh. because you are outside the protection of God. Thank you very much for that. So, um, listener out there, we have talked about the physiological, the psychological, and the spiritual. Panel members, I would like us to go into... In fact, we have known what premarital sex is. You have helped us to understand the misconceptions about it. We have talked about the effects that one can, you know, get when the person involves himself or herself in this. I want us to go into the measures we can put in place to prevent it. Of course, we may have teenagers out there who have involved themselves, but still there is hope. And therefore, I want to see what are the measures that we can put in place to prevent it. We, we, I want you to take it from the parental you know, view. I want you to take it from the teacher's side and the society as a whole. So, Miss Opon, if you can take one of them, what are the measures to prevent it? Uh, for the measures, uh, in talking about parental role okay. as to how parents can, the things parents can do to avoid this. I think the first most important role is to really get to know your child very, very well. Okay. Um, if it's a Christian family, of course, we advocate that you pray with your children and have worship with them. But yes, okay. but you really also have to get to know them well. Sometimes parents think that the fact that we've have we've had worship or mm-hmm. devotions with everything them, that's it, okay. everything is fine. But it's not. Mm-hmm. If you are the mother, really get to know your daughter, get to know your son, talk to them, ask them. Because naturally, when children, when adu- when you reach the adolescent stage, you tend to have this feeling towards the opposite sex it naturally comes mm. so you have to really talk to them to get to know if somebody's in, yes in if somebody's in their life okay. if the person is in their life what are they doing and really let them know that you know sex exists and they will they will have feelings to do it it's not wrong to have the feelings but you don't have to act on that okay. feeling okay. so that they know that if they are feeling certain way i can come to mommy i can come to daddy and tell and him or her yes. because they have confidence in their yes. parents madam i want you to take it from there okay so on the part of teachers okay um we have mm-hmm. to intensify sex education mm-hmm. in our schools okay um most parents are not very comfortable 
you know, teaching their children about sex. Mm -hmm. And so teachers should we'll take it up and then up. help in that okay. regard. Madam, you want to add you something, the prevention? No, the parental. Okay, okay, go role. ahead. Uh, Madam Jemima was saying that you have to know, know very your children. well your children, yeah. I want to add that uh, it's not just about asking them okay you have to really make friends with your children all right so that they will trust you mm -hmm. as you mentioned mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that anything that they will have on their mind they can they discuss freely to come to you with to you discuss. Thank and you through that yeah. i don't think it will be very difficult talking to them about sex if you are, right. you have that relationship with, with your them. children okay because god god created a family for a purpose all right so if parents not learn Mm -hmm. to know how they should handle their children. It will, it will be a problem okay. and it may lead to some yeah. of these things. Okay. Is there any hope for anyone who has engaged himself or herself in this premarital sex? Oh, yes, of course. Uh -huh. There's always hope. Yes. We thank God for Jesus Christ who okay. came to die for us. So there's always hope. Right. Uh, premarital sex in the Christian world, it's a sin. And we know that when we all sin and we come to God. So what specific thing can you tell the listener out there to do if he or she has already engaged himself or herself in it? I want practical okay. ways that will so help So first pray. Okay. Pray to God and okay. ask for forgiveness right. from what you've done because it's against its will. Mm -hmm. And then also ask of strength so that you don't indulge yourself in it again. Okay. Madam Adria, you want to add something? Yeah, and then you make a conscious effort not to do that again. Okay. Okay, so by surrounding yourself with good people, mm -hmm. reading good books, books. Mm -hmm. watching things that will edify mm -hmm. you instead right. of things that will make you, your mind drift mm -hmm. to that. Yeah, and true. also seek counseling. You know, sometimes counseling. you are growing up, you are yeah. going mm -hmm. through so many challenges. Mm -hmm. Seek the counsel of people who are older. And when you do that, you'll be able to go through life as expected, avoiding right. some of these things. Okay, Mada, you want to add? I also believe that uh, before somebody can decide to maybe withdraw from that mm -hmm. the person has to be convinced that what he's doing it's is wrong, wrong. yeah uh -huh. so you if you if that starts then that, that person will be able to go through the prayer mm -hmm. the counseling mm -hmm. okay if the person is not convinced of that the dangers really committing sin there's nothing that you, you can do to help of doing uh -huh. that. okay Thank also you. Okay. yeah i, I wanted to add um you have to have a pledge that I wouldn't sin against God. Okay. Just like the three Hebrew boys did. You know, they purposed in their hearts not to sin. Same. So you should also have a plan that I don't want to commit premarital okay. sex. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, the Lord will help you to stick to the pledge. That exactly. You have the Lord will help you to stick to the pledge that you have made to yourself. So our listener out there, if you have engaged yourself in premarital sex, my panel members are telling you that all hope is not lost. There is still hope for you. Read good books, go for counseling, watch you know, Christ-like movies, yes. and make friends with people you think you can make friends with. And don't let peer pressure and all those things drive you into premarital sex because it is a sin. And I know the Bible also frowns on it. Yes. I think so. The Bible frowns on it. So that is what premarital sex is all about. I believe you have followed us up to the latter part of this program, and I know you have chosen something from it. Very interesting, very educative. And therefore, you're going to abide by some of these things that the panel members have given you and i know god being with us things will go on very well with us thank you for joining us once again it has been pillow talk and i've been doing this with miss appoint free age Jemima, madam ajuan saidu buatin madam patience amatando pastor's wife your host matilda obenche we will come your way another time just stay tuned and follow us pillow talk thank you Come thou fount of every blessing 
to my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Now my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, see that thou art. Teach me songs. Sonnet sung by flaming tongues above, waking or sleeping, thy presence in my life. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. friend we would like to receive your feedback so call us on the number plus two three three five zero one five six one eight four nine plus two three three five zero one five six one eight four nine i greet you all in the mighty name of jesus this is present truth and your host, Pastor Charles Echamphodia. Before we listen to the word of God, I want us to pray. Bow down your heads and let's pray. O God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, we thank you for the love you show unto us each and every day as we prepare ourselves for your word. May you come and talk and speak to our hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. The topic for my short sermon is titled, This Must You Know, 
or you must know this. Let's read a Bible quotation in Acts chapter 22 verse 14. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. Amen. Friend, this is the voice of the Lord, of our fathers, of your fathers. He says that you should listen to the voice of the Lord. This is what the Lord has for you. In your life, you should listen to him. Many a times Jesus calls us, many a times the Lord calls us to come to him. But we refuse. We tell him we don't need you. We don't want you in our way. This is sad. But the Lord is still talking to us that we should come to him. He has given us five main points that we want us to, listen, to look into as we listen to him. The first one is that if you are a sinner, you are unfit to see God and to meet God. Friend, whatever sin that you engage yourself in, you can never see God. Because in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, it says that all have sinned and we have shot of the glory of God. So whenever you sin, it means that the glory of God is away from you. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says that, it is fearful things to fall into the hand of the living God. So whenever you sin against God, friend, you have no way to go to him. The second one is that God has provided salvation. Even though we have sinned against him, but he has given us Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is our salvation. Whenever you allow yourself, whenever you call him to come your way, Victory will be yours. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says that God himself gave us his son. And whenever we believe in him, we shall not perish. But we have everlasting life. Oh, what a joy. The third one is that God offers you salvation now. Today is the day of your salvation. Friend, yes, you have aborted for about five times. But today is the day of your salvation. You have even killed. You've killed your friend. We don't know anything about it. People don't know anything about that. But the Lord says that you shall come to me. He will forgive you. No matter what you have done. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of your salvation. When you come to him, he will receive you. The fourth one is, life is uncertain. Life is uncertain. I could die today. As I'm speaking to you, I could die. You could also die. We have heard of coronavirus, COVID-19. It is frightening us. Whenever you see even your children, you are not able to go to them. Life is uncertain. You could be hit by a car, anything. You could be in your house and you will die. Life is uncertain. My friend, prepare yourself to meet the Lord. Life is uncertain. Just a step you could die. As Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 20 verse 3 says. And the last one is that prepare yourself because there is going to be judgment. Prepare yourself. If you don't prepare yourself for the judgment, you will not inherit the kingdom. You will be killed. Friend, prepare yourself well. 
The Lord needs you. He wants you in his way. He says you should all come unto him. He will forgive us all our sins, no matter what we have done. The judgment, he will say, Oh, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive him. Charles, he sinned. Yes, he killed. But I'm forgiving him because he accepted me. Friend, why don't you allow yourself for Jesus to come your way? I wish he comes my way today. Why don't you also seek him and ask him to come your way? And he will send you back to your home, the peaceful home. In Romans chapter 6 verse 8, the dead, even the dead, will join us to go to heaven. So even when you die, you will go to heaven. May the Lord be with you as you prepare yourself. Take these five things seriously and your life will never be the same. Shalom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Continue to speak to our minds and our consciences. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to hear from you. So call us on the number plus 233-5015-61849. Plus 233-5015-61849. You can also email us at the address AdventistWorldRadioGH at gmail.com. AdventistWorldRadioGH at gmail.com. You can also write a letter to us using the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana, Northern Ghana Union Mission of Adventists, P.O. Box KS17564, Edum Kumase, Ghana, West Africa. For AWR Ghana, I am Bell. May God bless you. AWR Ghana, voice of hope. Voice of hope.